One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 188. It might come as a surprise that we haven't spent much time talking about website optimization on this show yet. Trust me, when I realized this was the case, I was shocked. After all, your website, as today's guest called it, is your business's home on the internet. So of course, in addition to reflecting our brand and our personality, we want it optimized for our business's goals. Alyssa Voris joined me on the show to break it all down for us. Alyssa is the founder of Alyssa May Creative, a branding and website design studio specializing in lifestyle and beauty brands. With her 20 years of experience in web design, product design, and more, Alyssa knows not only what makes a website beautiful, but how to make it an efficient tool for your business goals as well. I learned so much from my conversation with Alyssa, and I know that you will too. In this episode, we discussed why websites are so important, the role of goals and how they play into the way your website is set up, the three core functions of a high converting website, some simple and straightforward SEO tips, what is user experience, how to evaluate it, and how to make it better, analytics, how to figure out your conversion rate, and other website analytics to pay attention to, and more. Be sure to stay tuned at the end of the episode for the Small Biz Spotlight. This week's guest is a perfect example of how amazing the small business community is by sharing some great tips and thoughtful insight. Do not miss this one. Okay, now for my chat with Alyssa Voris. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to Making Good. Hey, Lauren, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. We're going to be talking all about websites, which is something that probably doesn't get enough airtime on this podcast, actually. So I'm very excited to pick your brain. Before I start with that, though, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and your business and maybe share a little bit about how you came to do the work that you do now. Um, Sure. Yeah. I'm Alyssa Voris. Um, I'm a branding and website designer. Um, I've been uh, doing this for about 20 years. Um, I started learning website design when I was very young. I was in high school. Um, I took a course at a community college when I was in high school on website design. Um, And I've been doing it ever since. I started freelancing uh, when I was in college. Um, And yeah, now it's like 20 years later and I'm still doing it. Um, I started uh, my own design studio called Alyssa May Creative. Um, and we help e-commerce businesses um, increase their online sales through uh, intentional design strategies uh, to turn their browsers into buyers. Um, so the core of the work that I do is crafting branding identities um, 
you know, to combine my clients' values with their customer values um, so that everything is aligned. But what has the biggest impact for my clients is our strategic approach to website design. So making sure that we build a website for them, you know, that's not only easy to use and intuitive for them, and also an amazing experience for their customers, but is also constantly working for their business, even when they're sleeping. Um, That's kind of the best part of having a strategic website is that it does a lot of the work for you. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of answered my first question, which is why are websites so important? Do you have anything to add to that? Oh, yeah. So um, the, the biggest reason why having a website for your business is so important. Um, and then there's kind of like three smaller reasons that all sort of relate up to this um, is it gives you stability in your business. Um, it kind of it, it grounds you essentially. Um, so your website is like your home on the internet. Um, it's it's private. It's your website. You know, no one else is there with you. It's just you and your business and your customers. So it really gives you a place to, you know, retreat to. You can take your customers away from the hustle and bombardment of being online, um, you know, being on social media and focus with them one-on-one on your website. So, you know, it has like a really holistic impact on your business and also on, you know, your well-being as a business owner. The second thing is you you have full control over what you do with your website and your business. You know, a, a lot of e-commerce business owners will start on Etsy or Instagram or some other marketplace, um, which is really great because it, they make it so easy for you to get started because they handle all of the details. But that means you have very little control over what you do with your Etsy shop. You're really restricted to what Etsy allows you to do. Um, and you know, you're also surrounded by everyone else who's on Etsy. So for starting, it's really great for but for growing your business, it's it's really challenging when you're on, you know, an online marketplace rather than your own website. To grow, you kind of have to step outside of the box. And you can do that with your own website. You can't do that with, you know an online marketplace like Etsy. And then the third thing is you have ownership of your website. I've been reading a lot about wealth lately. um, And a big part of wealth is owning assets. And so your website is an asset that you own in your business. So, you know, in addition to having control over your website, it's also... An, an asset that you own that sort of brings that brings wealth to your business essentially. And so mm-hmm. so yeah, those are that's that's basically the those are the biggest reasons why a website is so important for your business. One of the things I know that is a big part of your process 
is having a very clear goal of what you actually want your website to do for you before you start designing it, which I think is really smart, but probably not something that everyone does. That's the same approach I take to making a marketing plan. So it makes a lot of sense to me that you would (laughs) do it with websites. So what, why is it so important to have that clear bottom line goal before you start figuring out how to set up and design your website? Yeah, so a lot of and and I I'm kind of sad that not a lot of people talk about having a goal. Um because that that's kind of like the the starting point for a lot of things that you do in your business. Um mm-hmm. having a goal gives you like kind of like a compass. It orients you. Like part of our process before you start is you make a website strategy. Um, and that website strategy is based on your business goals. So it's understanding, you know, what do you want to accomplish in your business in the in the short term, and how can we make your website get you there faster? Um, if you think about it like a roadmap, a website strategy is figuring out, okay, here's point A and here's point B. What is the path that I have to take to get from point A to point B? Um, and also, what are the spots along the way that I want to hit? Like sometimes, you know, you just want to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. That's easy to figure out. Um, but other times, you know, there's there's other secondary goals that you might have. Um, and so you want to figure out, okay, how do we hit those along the way while still being able to get from point A to point B? without many interruptions, basically. And yeah, that's my that's my analogy for website strategy. Um, mm-hmm. All of that can't happen without knowing what your business goals are. And as, as an e-commerce business, usually your goal is pretty clear and it's to make sales and bring in revenue. And that, you know, if, if you think, well, maybe that's my goal, it's probably your goal and you shouldn't overthink it. You, you should just focus on that for now. That's a great goal to focus on and to have your website, you know, be oriented towards that. Absolutely. So I know you have three core functions of a high converting website. Do you want to share those with us? Sure. A high converting website has to be able to spread the word, charm your customers and close the deal. So spreading the word. You probably guessed it. That means SEO. Um, But it also means how SEO copywriting on your website and your brand strategy, how those all work together to actually make that happen. So spreading the word, you know, there's two parts. There's the spreading, which is, you know, self-explanatory. It's communicating. Um, And then there's the word. So what is the word? And that's, that's the part that you have to, to figure out. The word is more than your business. It's more than your products. Because nowadays, you know, people tend to buy products based on the experience that it offers them. No one, no one really buys anything anymore just because, oh, I need it. Everyone's buying stuff because, oh, this is going to help me be better. This is going to help my life in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what the word is. And that's what you want to 
figure out with your branding and your website strategy is what is the experience? What is the benefit? What are you offering to your customers that is going to improve their lives? And it doesn't have to be anything, you know, groundbreaking or amazing. It's just the difference of saying, you know, okay, here's our tinted lip balm. It's moisturizing and it's red. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not wrong. You're not wrong. That's what it is. But if you shift the focus to your customers and you say something like, it's a, it's a, lip butter balm that is going to give you instant moisture, color, and shine with a, a hint of vanilla. Like you've, mm. you've like painted a picture for them. It's not super groundbreaking. You're not really solving a problem, but you kind of are. And you're also painting a picture on, on what it's going to feel like for them to use that product. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what the word is spreading the word. That's how SEO, copywriting, brand strategy, all of those things combined get you to that point. Okay. And then we have charm your customers. What does that mean? Right. So charming your customers is the friendly way of talking about user experience. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I know user experience is kind of a confusing topic because it's like, I I kind of understand what it means, but I don't know how you do it or how you know that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But basically, customers really want to be told what to do and where to go when they're on your website. Like No one goes to a website wanting to have to do a lot of work to figure out, you know, What's here? What do, what's here for me? How is this helping me? What do, what do I want here? You're not Amazon. People know what they're doing when they go to Amazon. And you're not Amazon. You're, you're a small e-commerce shop. So you're different. You want to like explicitly tell people, Hey, this is where you want to go. You want to give them paths that they can see and understand what's down that path and then know how to walk down that path. So yeah, there's a lot of technical terms for this. It's, you know, user experience, customer journey, user flows, but all of that just boils down to how you guide people down the path that you want them to take on your website. And that goes back to your goals that you have. So if your goal is to make sales and bring in revenue, then the path that you want them to go down is from your homepage to your product page to the cart and through the checkout process. And, and it's that simple. That's what your focus is. That's how you want to charm your customer because that's what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And you want it to be a really clear path. Um, You don't want to like muddy it up with, you know, other distracting things, things that take away from the ultimate goal of getting them to make a sale. Um, Because if you put a hurdle in the middle of a path, you've then given people the opportunity to stop because they have to stop. And now they're going to think, well, do I want to go over this hurdle? Or do I just want to go back? And that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of that's how you lose people. 
So yeah, that that's a, a big part of user experience is don't inadvertently give people a reason to stop. Right. I just want to emphasize something that you said that I think is so important, which is that you actually want to decide what path you want people to take Mm -hmm. in alignment with whatever your goal is. So in the example you're giving is like to make a sale, you want to guide people toward a specific path. I think a lot of us think of our websites as like a choose your own adventure type of thing. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to land and explore, like go see anything you want. But actually, if you have a goal with your website, which we are hoping you do, and we know that you will after listening to this this episode, (laughs) you want to sort of design things in such a way that you're nudging people toward the path that you would like them to take. So I think that's just such an important comment that you made because I'm not sure that's how most of us approach websites. So thank you for for that. Yeah, because like a website, yeah, you think of a website and like what it is. And it's like, I have all these options and all these things I can do. And it's like, yeah, that's just sort of what a website is. That's how it works. You don't have to do anything for that to happen. It just sort of happens. That's not, And that's not where you want to put your focus, right? Your, your website should yeah. have a focus and you can give it a focus. You have mm-hmm. the power to do that. Totally. Okay, so the third option or the third element of our high converting website is to convert or close the deal, I think you said. Yes, to close the deal. Because we talk about high converting websites, you know, increasing your conversion rate. And it's like, well, what what does a conversion mean? And all a conversion means is you're closing the deal. And what is the deal? Uh, The deal is whatever your goal is. So, you know, e-commerce website, you want to make sales, you're closing the deal, you're making a sale. If you're not an e-commerce website, closing the deal might be something else. It might be, you know, if if you really want to focus on growing your email list, then for you, closing the deal is getting email signups. That's your conversion rate. How many people signed up for your email list? So... This part is, again, really focused on your goals. It's very specific to you and your business and what your goals are. Mm -hmm. So for e-commerce websites, to close the deal, you have to get people through the checkout process. You have to get them to that confirmation screen. And you you spent a lot of time getting your user experience right you know, spreading the word, getting them to your website, attracting them, making them feel like, yes, I'm in the right place. These are the things I want. I'm adding the products to my cart. I'm clicking checkout. And so many people get lost at this checkout process because it's not either familiar or it's not simple and easy. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by familiar is that you know, people will spend all this time taking the pre-built checkout pages of like Shopify or Squarespace and redesigning them and making them look really unique. But if you over-design that, it becomes something that's unfamiliar and you're you're suddenly triggering that fight or flight in people and they suddenly don't have the trust 
that they expected to have when they got mm-hmm. there. So it's really important to make sure that you don't over-design that checkout process. It's fine if it's cookie cutter. It's fine if it looks like everyone else. That, that, that like having it be super fancy is is not the goal for this part. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other part too is all of the add-ons that people want to add to the checkout process. You know, doing upsells, having people sign up for an email list while you're in the middle of checkout. You know, saying, oh, did you see these things? Like, in it's, you know, you're adding hurdles. You're giving people a reason to stop and reconsider whether they want to move forward. And I actually had, I had a really weird experience with this. Um, a friend had told me about Summer Fridays. I think that's what it's called. It's, it's a, like a makeup brand. They have really amazing branding, beautiful website. Everything was perfect. The first time I went to their website, they had a product on the page that was like a poppy colored like lip tint. And I was like, oh my God, this was made for me. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to buy it, add it to the cart, ready to go. And in, in that process, uh, there was a pop-up for like a, a promo code and I had dismissed it. But now that I was checking out, I was like, oh yeah, let me go get that promo code. And so that was an ordeal to go find the promo code again because it wasn't anywhere on the page. I had to like force refresh my browser to get that. I finally Mm. get the promo code and I enter it in. And it says that, you know, the products in my cart don't apply. Like the promo code Mm. doesn't apply to it. And so I was like, oh, weird. So I like read the fine print. And it says, you know, some exclusions apply. And I was like looking for a link and I'm like, well, what are the exclusions? And it's just all of these hurdles that Mm -hmm. were in this whole process. And I was like, you just lost my sale. Like, I don't, I just realized I don't need to spend $23 on a lip tint right now. So I was like, this is, Mm -hmm. this is a good example for me, but man, this is so disappointing because everything else about this was really great, but you just put in all of these barriers without, without really realizing it. Um, I went back to their site recently and they've definitely made changes to how all of that works now, um, which is mm. great. But yeah, I was like, man, people, yeah. people really don't, you know, if you don't think about what your goal is when you're adding something like, you know, a pop-up for a promo code, you know, and you're like, oh, it's not going to apply to everything. You have to really think about like, how is a user going to engage with this? How are they going to come across this? And and what are they going to want to know when they're when they're interacting with this? So yeah, that's yeah, it's a great that example. Was a deal that was not closed. Yeah, well, I think that's a perfect example of why it's so important to make it easy on people. That's one of my favorite marketing mantras is make it easy. The the Uh easier you make it for people, the more likely they will be to do it. And like you're saying, like all of these elements of overcomplicating and making it confusing and the exceptions to the discount, like it's just not necessary. Yeah. And it's like, it's fine if you have exceptions, if there's things are excluded, that's totally fine, but you just have to make it really easy. Like you have to communicate that to people. Don't hide it. There's no reason to hide it. Um, and if you, you know, if you want to minimize it, that's fine. But 
it should be really easy to get that information. Um, mm-hmm. I eventually found the information and it was, it was on the actual product page itself where it said mm-hmm. it was excluded from promos and, and discounts and stuff. And I was like, well, now I feel silly because I feel like I should have seen that. But the way that I went through the website, I, that wasn't a concern of mine at that point when I was on the product page. I wasn't concerned about whether the promo code applied right. or not. I, I only cared about that in the checkout process. So I'd love to dig in a little bit deeper into SEO. I know that that's something that probably most folks listening have at least heard of, but can you just explain a little bit for like complete basic level, like what is SEO and what might be some simple tips to help us benefit from being found on search engines? Yeah. So SEO, I, I will preface this by saying I am not an SEO expert. There's a lot of SEO lingo that I don't always remember. Um, <laughs> but uh, SEO is, you know, search engine optimization. And what that means is you're optimizing your whole website to be used by search engines the way that you want it to show up on search engines. So let's say you're like a skincare brand. You would think about, okay, how... Like based on the products you have um, and based on the kinds of customers that you would expect to buy your products, what would they search for? And what would they search for on something like Google and expect to find your products as a result? Um, So not necessarily what are they searching for at, at every point in their life, but specifically related to your products um, and beyond just what your products are. So, you know, if you have moisturizers, you can think beyond people searching for a moisturizer. Um, You can think about what problems they have that a moisturizer would help them solve or that specifically your moisturizer can help them solve. Um, so things like, you know, skin irritation or dry winter skin, thinking a little, a little bit further down the line um, to what people would be searching for, and then adding that to the copy on your website. So adding that to product descriptions, you know, writing examples of how this product will benefit you, the kind of things that it works well for, writing blog posts, like informative blog posts, or or even, you know, case study kind of stuff. Um, if, if that's relevant to what you're doing, you can do a case study with customers um, talking about, you know, how your product helped them. And all of that content that you're writing and putting on your website, that all gets crawled by search engines. And that's how you optimize your website for the search engines and also have it be, you know, beneficial to you and attracting the kind of customers that you want. Very helpful. So I think just to maybe summarize, like starting with figuring out what search terms your customers are using, 
marketers call those keywords, like either short tail or long tail keywords, um, figuring out what they're searching for and then trying to build in that kind of language in your website in a very natural way, I think is sounds like you're kind of the biggest suggestion that you have for people. Yeah. And doing it in a way and like doing it from a point of view of your customers, like don't, I know that keyword research is a big part of SEO, but if you're just starting out, it's really hard to know how that keyword research is going to work for you. But if you do it from the point of view of your customers, you're going to have sort of more of an immediate response to know whether or not the content that you're creating and how you're saying things on your website, whether or not that's actually attracting people who want to buy your products. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit already about user experience. That is the like charm your customer mm-hmm. part of the process. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about how people can look at understanding their current user experience and how do we know how it's currently working? How do we make it better? For example, let's say we have the average listener has their e-commerce website. They know they have like their products listed. They know they have a homepage. They know they have a checkout process, but they're not really able to say like, what exactly is the user experience and how effective it is? What would you say to that person in terms of trying to get a better handle on that? Yeah. So I would recommend doing an audit on your website. And the way you can do that is by taking yourself out of the equation. Pretend you are a customer. Pretend you're someone who hasn't been to your website before and they're getting there for the first time. and 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 think about like how they would perceive your website like when they come to the homepage what do you feel like the first thing that they would do is is it look at what's on you know sort of like the hero image the splash part the top part of your website or is there really not any information there and so they have to go to the navigation and then from there f- sort of click around and figure out what's what. Most people, when they go to, especially an e-commerce website, they're going to look at that homepage and what's there, and they're going to use that to guide them through the rest of the website. One, One of the best things that you could do too for your homepage is have highlighted sections. So a section for your best selling products, maybe a section for bundling products uh, in a way where you're sort of solving a problem again. You know, uh, if you're a skincare brand and you have dry skin products, oily skin products, combination skin, uh, sensitive skin, all of that kind of stuff. Having all of those on your homepage presents a path for your customer to go down. So if you don't have those, that that would be a really good place to start um, to start making sure that you know the user experience actually exists on your website because you really don't want people to go to your website and then immediately have to go to the navigation to do anything because that's sort of that's like the choose your own adventure you don't want people to just drop in and say okay i guess i'll figure out where i'm going you want them to have you know nicely marked signs so that they know where they're going and then 
and then and then follow all of those paths. Like if you already have a bestseller section, follow that path and see how it feels. Does it make sense? Are the products there? Are they sort of all aligned, or do they feel random? Does it feel like they don't all sort of fit together and make sense when you see them all together? Because mm-hmm. that could be an issue. That could be a point of confusion. You know, you led them down the path. You said these were the best sellers, but now it's just a bunch of random stuff, and I don't really know what I'm looking at. You you want to make sure that every point of the way is is clear, so that people know. Okay, all of the best sellers are, I guess, really moisturizing products, or all of the best sellers are these really fun color nail polishes, stuff like that, rather than just like a random hodgepodge of stuff that doesn't really make sense. And the same thing too, if you're creating bundles, like you don't want to just create like a three pack and a two pack and a five pack. People can do that themselves. <laughs> they know how to, to add multiple things. What you want to make is a, is a package that solves a problem. So, you know, you would want to buy these three things together because when you use them together, it does X or mm-hmm. it makes you feel calm or this makes you feel energized. Yeah, those are those are really great ways to to make a path and make it really clear and keep people moving down that path. And yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. people will always go back to the homepage to look at other stuff, to go down other paths, and that's totally fine. That that doesn't mean that you have a bad user experience. It's when you get people, you know, starting at the homepage and then going to the navigation and clicking shop and then going back to the navigation and clicking something else. If, if people have to keep going back to the navigation, that's not a great user experience for your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great tips. I love the tips about bestsellers and bundles and just trying to go through your website from the standpoint of someone who has never been there before and even possibly just like having a friend go through it for you since sometimes we're so close to it that maybe just having someone else entirely do it and kind of asking them about it would be would be good yeah and make sure it's a friend who will be honest with you (laughs) because this isn't the time where you need someone to tell you oh this looks great like that's not helpful don't don't tell me that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah totally we all know who to ask for that. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about analytics and understanding A, how well our website is currently performing and B, kind of just what to be looking at in terms of how we can continue to make things better and better and more effective. Where would you even suggest that people start when it comes to tracking the analytics on their website? So analytics is... a I know it's super overwhelming and I'm sure everyone's going to turn the podcast off at this point because they're like, I don't want to deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) But analytics is a super powerful tool that you only need like 2% of it. Most of it you don't need, but it's there for when you might need it eventually. But what you really want to focus on, and this goes back to, you know, having a website strategy and understanding what your goals are, because that's all that really matters. You know, your website goals are tied directly to your business goals. And so you want to know 
whether or not your website goals are performing the way that you expected them to. Because if they're not, then you know you're not going to reach your business goals. And 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 it's okay if they're not. That means you know it's data. It means now you know where the problem is, and now you know where to focus to fix it. So the most important piece of analytical data for e-commerce websites is usually the conversion rate. If you have a Shopify store, their analytics are very nice in that they show you the conversion rate upfront. It's just right there and you don't have to do any calculations. And that's really nice. But if you aren't on Shopify um, and you know you have to use Google Analytics or some other method of analytics, you can figure out what your conversion rate is with like really simple math. And what the conversion rate actually is, is it's just a percentage. So it's the total number of visits on your website divided by total number of purchases. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I pause there because it, the conversion rate is based on your goal. So if your goal isn't to get purchases, then that's not the conversion rate you want to look at. So if your goal is for growing your email list, then you want to take the total views. I feel like Google changed what the actual wording is, but total views or total users or total visits. Sorry, I'm now my brain is mad because it's like they keep changing the words. Uh, <laughs> the the total views divided by um, the number of email signups or subscribers, and and for that one, you might get those numbers from two different places. Um, mm-hmm. So you would get the total views on your website from wherever your website analytics are. Maybe it's Google Analytics, maybe it's through Squarespace, maybe it's Shopify. Um, and then wherever you have your email list, you know, if it's MailChimp or Flowdesk or whatever, you get your total number of signups from there. And then you do the math and that's your conversion rate. And then the other part of figuring this out too is that you want to restrict it to a time period. So you can look at all time, um, but you know that might not line up. Your website might have been up longer than your shop, and or your website might have been up longer than you had your email list. So I would recommend looking at either one month at a time or one quarter at a time. So a three month period. I prefer doing it by quarter just because it's a little less stressful. You don't have to do it every month. You can just do it every quarter. And you kind of get more of an average, especially if you have a lot of fluctuation in your business. It's it's a little bit easier to look at an average of a quarter rather than each individual month. So yeah, you just want to make sure wherever you're getting the data from that you're restricting it to whatever the time period is. Um, and it's the same for everything. So the same from your website or from your email list. And yeah, and a conversion rate too can you can you can have multiple conversion rates. You know, if you if you're growing your email list while also running an e-commerce store, you can look at both of those. That's totally fine. And you know, service-based businesses could do it based on like a contact form if you're booking people. 
um, Mm -hmm. the number of people who fill out your contact form. That would be your conversion rate. Yeah. And then lastly, the most important part of analytics that kind of changes the game is the point of analytics is to track data over an extended period of time. So this isn't like you don't just go in and get the numbers and then make a decision and then that's it. You want to keep a record of it so that you can track over time how is this performing? Um, you know, how how are my conversion rates doing? Are they going up? Are they going down? Uh, are they staying the same? So I recommend making some sort of document, uh, whether it's a Google Doc, you can make it in a spreadsheet. Um, if you use something like Notion for storing information, wherever you want to make it, just make a note of the data points that you want to check on a monthly or quarterly basis and just have an entry for every quarter or every month, whatever it is. That way you can see sort of the, the progression of what's happening over time. Great advice. Okay, so we're we're nearing time here, but I, I do have one more question that I know folks listening are going to want to hear from you, okay. um, which is on platforms. So, you know, Squarespace, Wix, Shopify, there are many options when it comes to e-commerce platforms. Do you have a preference of one over another in terms of effectiveness or just like ease of use? And if so, which is it? So I really like this question. And I feel like when I answer it, people roll their eyes because it's not the answer that they want. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But so a website platform is just another tool. And I can give my recommendation for what I like to use for myself. But it's like if someone came to you and said, so what pen would you recommend? It's like, Mm -hmm. okay. I have a lot of follow-up questions because who's using the pen and what do you want to do with it? And how are you using it? Like, you know, are you talking about like a ballpoint pen or like a calligraphy pen? Because those are very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a website platform is the same thing. It's, it's, it's just a tool. There, there isn't really one that's necessarily inherently better than the other. Um, it's just more important that you have the right tool for the job rather than just, you know, the best tool because the best tool could be a calligraphy pen, but you don't know how to use that and you just want a ballpoint pen. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, this is why it's really important to have a goal for your website and to understand um, what your business goals are and how your website can meet those goals. So for me, as a website designer, I recommend Squarespace or Shopify. That doesn't mean they're the best and it doesn't mean that they're for you. But if you're working with me uh, as a website designer, those are the platforms that I want to build on because that's where I've invested my time um, and my expertise. And in addition to building a really great website on those platforms, I also know that I'll be able to support you the best on those platforms um, so that you can do your best using your website on those platforms. So, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't work with another designer and have a really great Wix or Show It website. I know sometimes designers will be like, here's all the reasons why you want to build on Show It. And 
that's really great. It means that show it works for those situations, but it doesn't mean that you have to build it there if it doesn't apply to you. Um, Mm -hmm. So for recommending a website platform, my, uh, my method is really four things to consider when you're looking at a website platform. So you want to take a look at what the features are that it offers and make sure that it has the features that you know you need. Don't worry about features that you want. The most important are the ones that you need. So, you know, if you're an e-commerce shop and uh, the platform that you're looking at at doesn't have built-in e-commerce, it's gone. Get rid of it. Don't bother with it. Like, (laughs) it's just not worth Mm -hmm. it. So, so the features and then also the ease of use. Is it, is it easy for you to build on? Um, And not only like design wise, but also, especially for an e-commerce shop, inventory management, all of that backend stuff is really important. Like, how do you handle shipping? How do you handle refunds? All of that is super important to consider. And that also ties into uh, the level of support and resources that you have for that platform. Squarespace and Shopify have really great support pages, help pages. Um, there's lots of communities for them for you to get support. But if you're in a ton of Facebook groups where everyone's using Show It and everyone's constantly helping each other, you know, no one ever has any issue because they can always rely on everyone in the group, then that's a super great resource to have and that you should consider that when you're looking at website platforms. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is the cost. Take a look at the pricing pages and really look at each individual tier and figure out which one applies to you. Squarespace used to be really simple. It used to be a personal account or a business account. And so you went with the business account because you were a business. But now they have you know, multiple tiers and different like e-commerce tiers and it's a little bit more confusing. And so you might be thinking, oh, someone told me, you know, Squarespace is like under $200 a month, but they weren't looking at, they're not using the same features that you need to use. So it might be more expensive than you realize. So that's a really important thing to pay attention to. I'm glad this was your answer because (laughs) I think it's very easy for us to get hung up on like picking the exact right tool for things. Oh yeah. And, and, and like this does not just apply to website platforms. It's, you know, across the board, like email management tool, task management tool. Like you can, you can argue for anything essentially. So what I love that you just said is like, I mean, what I probably like the most is finding the one that like feels intuitive for you. Because if you're the one updating it, if you're the one like spending hours in there, adding pieces of inventory and tracking things, you need to be able to use it effectively and like your time be used effectively. So yeah, love the permission to just pick the one that's going to be best for you and it's going to meet your needs. So thank you for that. No problem. Um, anything else you want to say about websites before we start to transition? We've covered a lot. <laughs> I know. I'm like, there's so many analogies I haven't made. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess. So the the one thing I want to mention is that you should start thinking about your website 
like a teammate. Your website is a business partner in your business. Mm. It's doing work for you. It's not just a storefront. It's not just a billboard. It's kind of like a person, but not a person. Your your website is, you know, it is a storefront. Um, and it's how your store is presented and, you know, the way the products are displayed and laid out and all of that stuff. Um, you know, the stuff you think about, like branding and photography and copywriting, that's your website. But your website is also like a sales associate in a store. It's helping Mm -hmm. customers. It's answering their questions. It's making suggestions. Um, It's maintaining your your inventory stock. It's just, you know, overall making the shopping process easier for your customers and also on brand for your business. And, And it's handling, you know, the whole checkout experience. It's, you know, you can offer upsells, while you're ringing up items through the checkout process, taking payments, it does all of this stuff for you. Uh, so it's it's really important to think of it as a teammate so that you can make sure that your teammate is performing at the level that you want it to perform and also sort of in line with uh, everything else about your business and like you know, aligned with your brand. It's kind of like, I feel very old talking about malls. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it, it, if you if you ever went to Abercrombie and Fitch, that store oh, was yeah. very on brand. The, the sales associates who work there were very on brand. And your website can do the same thing. It doesn't have to be like Abercrombie. Uh, you know, but you know, the whole yeah, maybe a little more inclusive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's just that's just like the harshest one that like you know burns in your brain, and you're like, oh, yeah. I get it. Okay, <laughs> the smell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, like your your website can be a better Abercrombie. Maybe do some good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I love the idea of it being like your your little wingman. So that's a great analogy. And that is going to stick in my head for sure. (laughs) Um, As we start to transition, I'd love to hear your answer for the question. How do you approach doing good through your small business? So one of one of the core values of my business is empowering through knowledge. Um, I am a huge nerd and I love learning. I love learning everything. Um, and I also <laughs> I also really like helping people. And so that's kind of what empowering through knowledge means is it it's I'm taking my my learnings and I'm helping people by sharing it with them so that they can apply it to their own life, to their own business. So yeah, my goal as a as a business, in addition to the services that I provide, is to offer as much free information about design, websites, strategy, e-commerce, general business advice, all of that so that you know people can can learn and apply things on their own. And that's really important to me because it, it's just kind of like who I am, it's how I function. Um, I can't I can't like outsource things to other people unless I've made an attempt to understand it and do it myself. Um, like I had always done my taxes on my own. 
since I first, mm-hmm. you know, had to do taxes. And everyone was always like, oh, why don't you just have someone do it for you? And I, and I was like, I don't fully understand what I'm doing yet. So I need to keep doing it on my own until I get it. Uh, and I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I've learned enough about taxes. I'm going to hire a CPA because I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> so Great, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of person that I am. And so I just want to, you know, be able to help others who are maybe like me and also kind of need to, to do things on their own and learn before they, you know, want to work with me or another designer. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. And then the, the second thing, the second doing good thing is something that, I've done much more recently in my business. And each year I I set aside some of my availability specifically for providing free design services to black owned and indigenous owned businesses that are in need of support. Um, Mm. This is something that I started doing back in 2020. It was actually part of like a much larger coordinated effort. Um, It was started by Stephanie Kimau of Population Works Africa and Lindsay Menard Freeman of the Torchlight Collective. They did all of the work to collect the info from so many different service providers and professionals who are all wanting to volunteer their time and skills to help Black and Indigenous-owned businesses. Um, And they put together this massive spreadsheet database and... It mostly circulated by word of mouth and on social media. And so, you know, after a few years, it kind of like died down. But that doesn't mean that the need isn't still there. So Mm -hmm. this year is uh, the first year where I'm sort of incorporating it as like a core part of my business. Um, So I'm, I'm in the middle of the process of putting together an actual like design service program. That would be free and for Black and Indigenous-owned uh, businesses who need that extra bit of support, whether it's you know getting a website up and running for their business or you know taking a look at their existing website and helping them figure out where they can make some changes, all of that kind of stuff, and hopefully uh, maybe it'll inspire other designers and business owners to offer something similar in their business as well. That is fantastic. Um, what would be one small business that you admire? Um, May Love. May Love is a skincare brand. They're a small business. I don't remember when I found them. I think it was like a few years ago. But they're just like my perfect combination of a small business that is also you know, helping to educate people on on skincare and what things you need to take care of your skin. I've had really dry skin my entire life and I, I had no idea like how to fix it, what to do with it um, until I found Maylove and started, um, you know, reading everything that they had on their website and also using their products. And they're just really nailing the balance of the experience and the information and yeah, they just do a really, they did an amazing job of helping me understand my own skin and like how to take care of it and like what products to use and like what they were actually doing. Hmm. Yeah. They're my favorite. What, how do you spell it? M-A-E-L-O-V-E. 
Amazing. Okay. I'm excited to check them out. What would be a book recommendation? I'm in the middle of like reading a bunch of books, but so like the, the one business book that I always recommend to everyone, um, especially if you're starting a business is the one page marketing plan. I think that's what Hmm. it's called. I think it's by Alan Dibb. I think he did the the story brand stuff. The mm. one-page marketing plan book is so good. It sounds a little gimmicky. It's like, make your marketing plan on one sheet of paper. And like that's nice and all, but all of the information that's in the book is super valuable. Um, so yeah, I recommend reading that. Like Read it all the way through. Don't do anything. And you can go back and like implement stuff and make your one-page marketing plan. But yeah, that's a good one. And then the book that I wish I read when I started my business back in like 2016 um, is Profit First. Yeah. Even if you don't want to implement Profit First, even if you're, you know, you're like, oh, I don't have a lot of revenue. I don't need to read this. You need to read it. Just read it. (laughs) It'll really help you sort of understand like the difference between you know, having a full-time job and an income or being a freelancer and and getting those, you know, contractor payments. Um, Running a business is a different financial beast. And that's a really good book to sort of help you understand that. Awesome. I agree. That's a critical... That was a big one for me to read. So I'm always happy to see that one recommended. Nice. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise here and letting me pick your brain on all of the things. I think this has been such a good sort of like perspective shifting conversation about websites. How would be actually a more strategic way to approach websites? And I am so grateful for everything you shared. Thank you. Awesome. You're welcome. It was so fun to talk about this stuff. I'd love for you to share where folks can find you, connect with you, learn more about your work, all the things. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, You can find me at Alyssa May Creative. And then my website is AlyssaMayCreative.com. And that's May, M-A-E. And yeah, I have a bunch of freebies on my website. Um, and an email list that you can join. I welcome anyone. Cool. Well, I'm sure you're going to have some new fans coming your way. Um, Thank you again so much. This has been absolutely fantastic. Awesome. Yay. I'm glad it was good. (laughs) So there you have it. There were so many great takeaways from my conversation with Alyssa. I love the point she made about your website working for you, acting as your assistant, as well as your storefront. Such a great shift in perspective. If you're curious to learn more about Alyssa's website wizardry, you can check out the links to her website as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 188. Now, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. Okay, it is time for the small biz spotlight. This week, I chatted with Diane Williams of Love Like. Diane's background as a designer and cheerful, colorful aesthetic come together in her apparel, totes, and more. I loved our conversation about her journey to love like and her goal of spreading positivity and light. Here is our interview. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you on here. I'm so excited to have you as a member of Making Good Happen. 
Um, I'm equally, if not more excited. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Um, I have given my audience zero context so far about your business. So I would love for you to tell us what do you do in your business and why did you start it? Um, okay. So, um, I have a background as a graphic designer artist, um, and my business is really just my art on things. Um, Mm -hmm. I started out making graphic tees and tote bags and then, um, started making stickers. And, um, now I'm kind of just starting to branch into some print goods. Um, But yeah, um, and as far as like why I started it, um, I think it was honestly a midlife crisis, if we're super honest. Um, That combined with the pandemic, I mean, I think it's like a very common story. Um, Just having all that time and space to think about life and my goals and yeah, just what I wanted to do in this world. Yeah, I kind of got to this this point where I was like, I'm either gonna go to grad school for become a psychologist, like complete like <laughs> career change, or I'm gonna start a business. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> I decided to start a business. That's so interesting. I can kind of see that vibe in your work too. Like not psychologist vibe, but like that. I don't know, like mental wellness kind of like. Yeah, theme. I think it really. I mean, my. So another, uh, another interest slash hobby slash job career that I have is teaching dance. Um, I've been a dancer my whole life and, um, I teach dance to kids and adults, but, um, during the pandemic I was teaching, um, on zoom and it was so depressing (laughs) just to see all these teenagers faces like morose on zoom and. I just wanted to help them so bad, but I didn't know. I mean, I think just being in class and having that time together was helpful for us all. But beyond that, it's just kind of at a loss. And so it really, yeah, it did kind of stir up these feelings of, I want to be helpful and a force for good energy in the world. And mm-hmm. you, feel, you definitely was, are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Well, becoming a psychologist was one thought, but I honestly just didn't want to take on all that debt. So -hmm. (laughs) a small business instead. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way, like, how would you describe your style? Because it has, I don't know if you have, if you could summarize it, but there's definitely a look where if I'm scrolling through my Instagram, for example, I could, I could know that it was you before I see your business name. So it's like, it has a very consistent like style and look do you have a way of describing that that makes me so happy because I really honestly have felt like I'm kind of all over the place um Mm -mm. maybe it's just recently that I'm kind of honing in on on um a consistent style um let's see um pretty illustrative bright colors like color is everything to me I feel Mm -hmm. like got such a way of communicating vibrations Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and that's really my aim is to communicate like good vibes. I mean, it's cliche. We use the word vibes so much, but um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a vibration that you can tune into and it can kind of 
color your world and how you approach your life. And so, yeah, bright colors are super important. Um, yeah. And my background as a designer, I think um, I appreciate restraint alongside bright colors, like um, leaving white space. Um, also, typography is something I'm super passionate about. So trying to incorporate that in my designs. Also, that goes hand in hand with like positive slogans that I'm always kind of trying to think up and incorporate into my work. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun. If you're listening, you just, if you haven't already, you must go pull up her Instagram or go to her website. Will you share where those are in case someone's multitasking yeah. while they're listening? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at shop love, like S H O P L O B E L I K E. And my website is the same shop, shop love, like com. Yeah. Amazing. It's so fun. What is your favorite thing to do in your business? I don't, I want to say coming up with new designs, but sometimes that drives me crazy. I don't want to be pretentious, but the muse mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes isn't um, cooperative. I tend <laughs> to work in like spurts of like tons of like downloaded inspiration that I'm like in a hurry to like get out as fast as I can. And then like long periods of not really having any great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm in those periods of like intense inspiration and output that's like the best feeling um yeah I'm kind of in one of those right now um and it's yeah like I jump out of bed like super excited to get to work and um so yeah I, I would that. say I would say that's the funnest part yeah. yeah I also love connecting with all the makers in the maker community um I'm an introvert so I wasn't expecting that Uh, aspect of being a business owner to be so rewarding but honestly like community is just such a beautiful thing yeah it's a really fun like club to be a part of yeah for sure yes (laughs) absolutely um okay what is one piece of advice that you would share with other small business owners well okay I want to couch this in I'm still learning and There are people who do so many of these things so much better than I do. But um, one thing I will mention is with photography, product photos, anything that you're putting on your Instagram or, you know, any social media. I don't have a nice camera. I just use my iPhone. And I'm not saying that my photos are great (laughs) by any means. They are. But (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like I've learned a few things to kind of maximize um, what I'm working with. Um, I use Lightroom mobile on my phone. It's like a free app. It's made by Adobe. I also use Photoshop, but, um, I like Lightroom because it's like really fast and to the point. And there's these preset filters that you can, um, download from various websites, um, and load that into Lightroom. And then you just like put your photo that you take with your iPhone. I mean, the lighting it's great if the lighting's good, but if it's not, it's okay. You can still fix mm-hmm. it lots of times. Um, so I take it into Lightroom, apply my filter, and output it. And it's, like, so much better. So much better. Like, astronomically better. And then also, like, all my photos across my feed kind of match the same vibe. I can also, like, um, go in and play with the colors to bring out my brand colors so they pop a little bit more. 
that's something that I, I notice like when I'm looking at other accounts, sometimes I'm like, Oh, but they could, if they just, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. they just have Lightroom or just were able to edit their photos a little bit, like it would make a huge difference. So yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. Do you have a preset that you let you like in particular? Yeah, I use one. It's called uh, Rainbow. It's from um, 123presets.com. Um, okay. And it comes with like four different versions, but I use the Rainbow 2. Like, Fun. I'm linking it in the show notes yeah. if folks are interested. <laughs> um, okay. How do you approach doing good through your small business? Mm, well, okay. So we kind of touched on like, but the aim is just to kind of spread good vibes and positive slogans. But I also um, make a effort to be as sustainable as I can. It's a total work in progress, though. Um, there's some some things that are just um, part of being yeah. a business that aren't that sustainable. But that said, um, like all my packaging is um, recyclable. I try to keep learning about like best practices. Like for a while I was using um, compostable poly mailers because I thought they they were like, oh, no brainer. You can just compost them. But learning more, they're actually not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they actually tend to do more harm than good. So um, just kind of trying to learn and apply sustainable packaging as much as I'm able to afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, I donate 10% of my profits to kind of a range of, um, orgs that support, um, fight against global warming, human rights, and, um, mental health. So like last year I donated, um, to Planned Parenthood, the Trevor Project, um, a Seattle group called Climate Solutions and um, NAMI, um, which stands for National, National Alliance, Alliance for, for Mental, Mental Illness. Something. Yeah. yeah. Very close to that, <laughs> if not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which well, feels really good. Um, yeah. I know not every business owner is in a position to be able to, to do that. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I, it makes me feel really good. Yeah, amazing. What would be a favorite small business book, podcast, resource, anything along those lines? Mm, you know what? Since I became a small business owner, I do not have time to read. <laughs> um, but a book that I read a while ago, actually, you've talked about it on the podcast before. I'm Ooh. looking at it right on my bookshelf right now. Atomic Habits by uh, James Clare. It's so, so good. good. It's so good. Like even like every human on the planet should read that book. That is a, that's a testimonial. I, and I actually <laughs> agree with that, that it's so surprisingly good. Like yes. you aren't really expecting how good it's going to be. Yeah. Um, I would say also um, a book that helped me get to a point where I felt comfortable starting a business um, is um, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Um, that was a huge mindset shift reading that book for me. I don't think I would have, um, started a business or been comfortable putting myself out on social media the way I am now, if I hadn't read that book. So. Awesome. We will link to both of those. 
Okay. Before I ask you to share all the places people can find you online again, um, I would like to ask you a couple of questions about making good happen. Oh yeah. The first is why <laughs> did you join making good happen in the first place? Let's see. Okay. So, um, I follow a lot of small businesses on Instagram just because I stumble on them and I'm like, man, they're doing something right. And Turns out several of them are members of Making Good Happen. <laughs> so that was social proof for me. Um, and I think I signed up for your workshop. Yeah, I think. Well, okay, because you joined in, in January. January. I mean, so, I, yeah, it was like a 90 day planning. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. Yes. And I just, I don't know. Okay. So I've taken like um, coaching seminars, workshops on online from from other people and I just some of them just leave me with an icky feeling or it's like the people are so hyper like they're just trying to (laughs) sell you so hard and it's like it just it makes me anxious the the way that they um teach um and I and I and I almost feel like my BS meter goes off a little bit, you know, like, I'm like, why are you, why are you so amped up? Like, (laughs) Lauren, you're like the opposite in such a beautiful way. Like you're, Mm. you're, I'm talking about a lot about energy and vibes. That's just the type of person I am, but you're so grounded. Like your energy is so like, it just feels like rooted and Mm. um, it's comforting to me. Um, and it helps me, I don't know, you just, you're so grounded and you have such a good way of like clearing out the extra fluff, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you just get right to the point of like, do these things. And it's not like that salesy, like, here's my four point plan to achieve your, you know, it's very human and, but like smart and capable and warm-hearted too so I I could go on and on like I it's um yeah I feel I feel really lucky that I found you and I found making it happen yeah it's not it's only been a few months but I've already learned so 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 much yeah thank you so much that gonna go back and listen to this because that was so nice to hear um what is your favorite element so there's a lot of different like parts of it there's like the training and yeah. events like a lot of different things what would be your favorite of those it's really it's really hard to pick because I love the community um I actually have connected with Victoria of Trophy Jewelry who's up here in Bellingham with me and we yeah. co-working together um and that's just been so cool and I feel like anytime I go on the Slack channel like I just feel such a sense of belonging and everyone's so friendly so that's huge and then um I feel like the I love the deep work sessions and I feel like the expert sessions and the monthly um the monthly trainings are so valuable I mean it's almost always something that I was already like how do we learn how to do this then I'm like oh hmm. yeah she's gonna show me all about it <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Who would you recommend making good happen to? 
everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't, I can't think of, I mean, I, I've met a lot of small business owners in the last couple of years since I started my business. And I, I can't think of someone who would not, not like, I don't know, it's going to come across like, you need to join this group because you're not doing it right. That's not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> don't put that in the podcast because that would be terrible. Um, I just think there's so much value in so many different facets of running a business that everybody will find something that's valuable, honestly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been so fun to chat with you and hear more about your business and um you know how you approach it i think you gave some awesome advice and recommendations um for folks who want to connect with you check out your products which are so cool all that stuff where would you send them i would go to my website um shoplovelike.com and you can also check me out on instagram i'm really just in those two places for the most part Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Okay. We don't just like, but we love. I'm so thankful for Diane's openness during this conversation. Links to all of her recommendations can be found in the show notes as well as where to check her out online. Learn more about Love Like and check out Diane's joyful creations at the links in the show notes as well at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 188. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways that you can give back to making good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 188. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.